Welcome to the Investing Tutor Podcast, the show for professionals looking to master the most up-to-date strategies needed to build wealth and provide a stable financial future. Here's your host, Dr. Hans Boateng. Hey friends, Dr. Hans here, the Investing Tutor, and as always, I have a phenomenal episode for you today. Joining us on the podcast is a dear friend connected via Instagram. We've been following each other. I, I thought, hey, let me get him on the podcast. <laughs> Let's make this, in quote, internet fr- friendship official. He goes, his name is Osamunde Arumunde. He is an investment fund manager, author, educator, capital markets professional with an incredible track record in equities, cryptocurrency, and private offerings. He's been working with regards to financial instruments for the past 10 years, and he's exited several companies. He's worked with organizations like the Canadian Armed Forces, you know, Nigerian National Petroleum Corporation, Chamber of Commerce, U.S. Air Force. He's been featured on TEDx. Friends, uh, this is going to be an exciting episode. So without further ado, Help me welcome Osamide. Brother, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was a fantastic introduction. Thank you. Appreciate that. Absolutely. I've been, you know, watching your work. Obviously, we've uh, been connected on Instagram. We created that, you know, friendship virtually, if you will. And I wanted to have you on. You know, it's not often that you see a lot of Africans doing great things in the investment industry and investment landscape. Can you share a little bit, uh, you know, about your story? You know, how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, no, thank you. Um, I think my my story is very similar to a lot of uh, immigrants, I'd say. So I moved to Canada in 2006 for university. So prior to that, I guess I was one of those kids growing up where, um, again, I never heard about the phrase entrepreneurship really ever growing up. Like, you know, it was, I mean, there were business people I knew here and there, but it was all, because again, I grew up in Nigeria and the narrative then was that you go to school, you get a good degree, you should be a doctor, an engineer or a lawyer. So that was the, that was the world I grew into, but I knew that something was off. I couldn't explain it. But I knew that that was not for me. So, I mean, growing up, I used to just be the guy that people just always call me the deals guy. You know what they would call today the plug? I used to be just that guy in high school where if you needed a problem solved, um, I mean, give it to me. I will solve it. Even till today, I think that's one of my biggest strengths is problem solving. So, I mean, I went from that and I got to Canada in 2006. I met a lady um, by the name of Doc Brown and she pretty much transformed my world. She introduced me to the concept of personal growth, uh, introduced me to the right books. I think the first book she ever gave me to read was um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. So the first dozen books or so I read, she gave them to me. And it changed everything for me because I started to see that, wow, it is possible to build a career around solving problems, around uh, pretty much making the world a better place, right? Around taking a chance on yourself and finding out what you truly have within you and taking a chance on that. But there is a system to it. And uh, my journey sort of went on through that. I started my first business while I was in university. It was a t-shirt printing company. We used to just print t-shirts, uh, custom t-shirts, 
We then we went on from there. I believe it or not, I read about mergers and acquisitions online, and we did our first merger uh, within our first, I think, our first three years of operation. We took over a business that had been in operations for over ten years. Um, we now had a location and everything, so business was good. But it was also the my first big failure. Um, I didn't understand the concept of overhead. So long story short, I had so much overhead in the business or we had so much overhead in the business that we were not bringing in enough to actually sustain our growth. Long story short, I had to go get a job uh, for a year because I had graduated at that point in time. I worked in the oil and gas space uh, on frack wells, great money. But that one year taught me a valuable lesson that I, I it was just not for me. Uh, I mean, uh, I was so unhappy and one day I literally just left my job. Uh, I left my job and I started to travel. So long story short, my wife now was my girlfriend. Then she was, uh, she is from Zambia. And then she always tell me about Zambia, how beautiful it was. And I always promise her I'll come visit. And she would always be like, yo, you're probably never going to come. And uh, as soon as I quit my job, I actually took a flight and I went all the way to Zambia. And, and that pretty much changed things for me because I, I knew I couldn't go back to, you know, the work environment uh, because, I mean, no one's going to give me a good reference anyways because of the job. Uh, but I realized something that I, I I do have something. I had built a successful business. We had grown that business to hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue. Uh, people started asking, how did you do it? How did you do it? How did you do it? And I started to dedicate a little bit more of my time in showing people all the things I had learned from personal growth, all the things I had learned about building a business, sustaining business, the lessons I had even learned in my failure in terms of managing your overhead. And uh, that essentially just took a life on its own. I wrote a book about the whole idea of personal growth, started teaching courses online about sales, but personal gro- growth as well. Uh, started, you know, companies started inviting me over to come talk to their team and, uh, one thing was 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 sure as at time went back that one thing I was great at was strategy. One thing I was great at was you know was solving problems. And these companies will call me in to say, "Hey, come speak to our management team," and then they will share with me some of their problems, and I'll start solving those problems for them. And that essentially opened a new door. I started working on a lot of businesses uh, like project management, uh, procurement, just as consultants, and I did that for 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 a while during that process as well. So parallel to that. Why? Remember, I told you the first book I ever read was, uh, you know, Think and Grow. Uh, no, so uh, Rich That Poor Dad. Yeah. Yes. So back then, too, Robert Kiyosaki had this company that he had partnered with, and they would go around different cities teaching financial education. So I had started taking those courses. I remember the stock education course. I had taken those. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, I spent close to twenty thousand dollars just on on that education. So I had personally been doing it on my own, but now I could take the information I had learned from understanding public companies, understanding, you know, sort of how, as an investor, what to look for. And I started sharing with all these businesses. And uh, yes, I did all that procurement for all the, you know, as a consultant working with these companies. But meanwhile, my private life, I started to also invest my own money and my money for for, for my my family. And uh, a few years ago, so about four years ago, uh, someone said to me and said that, you know what, you're very good at what you do. You, I mean, you, I mean, you travel the world, you work with all these businesses, uh, you, you're successful at what you do, but you are selfish. And I was like, why would you ever say something like that to me? And it was essentially pointing to me the idea that you're, you're, you're doing enough just for yourself. You're, you're, you're earning enough just for yourself. You're, you're building your business just for yourself, right? What about the rest of the world? What about making an impact? So that was the first conversation I really started 
get me thinking to say, I mean, the consultant life is great, right? You set your own hours, you do whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do. But I started thinking about how about building a legacy? And three years, uh, four years ago as well, we had uh, our first uh, child, uh, my daughter, she, she, she just turned four. And I think that process also started making me think that, look, you have to build something. Um, you have to build a legacy. And I, I think one of the things is that, I mean, I always look at my daughter and, you know, I mean, she's she's African or African-Canadian, but it's like she's always going to be African-Canadian. And the world will always uh, project to her their perceptions around Africa. And for me, that was a problem. And because my mind is kind of mind that loves to solve problems, I said, how about solving that problem? How about, you know, solving the problem of, you know, change, transforming Africa, transforming Africa. But you see, one of the challenges I find with a lot of the businesses around Africa was the concept of funding, right? And not a lot of people get to hear what's really going on. So four years ago, we, we started a company it's called Africa Development Capital. And the sole, the, the purpose of that company, our mission really is to help make investing in Africa easy. Uh, three years now in operation, we've helped raise and actually deployed over $10 million to projects around Africa. We have exposure right now in the Nigerian market, in Ghana, as well as in Zambia. So, I mean, that's been going. But just any, like anything else, my strength, uh, like I said, it's, 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 it's really in problem solving. But at the same time, I'm an educator when it comes to my core, right? So it's like, because education is the thing that it transformed my life, financial education. So, I mean, it's not, it hasn't changed from when I first, you know, walked away from my job, teaching people about personal growth. Now that I started getting into finance, people would say, hey, can you show me? Can you, can you explain to me the concept of how money works, of how the financial world works? And again, this was stuff I was doing. It wasn't, it wasn't like, this, is, this was how I was feeding my family. And I just started dedicating more time to people, showing them things I know about the stock market. And then in 2016, I got involved with cryptocurrency. Um, and, and as soon as I, at first, when I heard about it, I didn't really care much about it. But the more I started to dig into it, I started realizing that this could be that single opportunity that will transform the world. I, I know I always tell people this. I say, when you look at the, you know, the world, you, you start seeing that there are single opportunities that shaped certain decades, right? In the eighties, it was, you know, it, it, it was things like, you know, Microsoft with systems, with uh, softwares, Right in the nineties, uh, we had uh, things like the, the, you know the internet, the World Wide Web. That ninety-seven, that's when we started seeing things like Amazon come on. Uh, when we start going into the two thousands, we started seeing things like smartphones change the, the world again, from Nokia to the Apples. Right in the two thousand and tens, right now we're talking about the whole concept of blockchain. So the key is that if you can, if you can find these changes and you can understand them, you can create vast wealth for yourself. And, you know, again, same thing. If we look at today and we say the top 10 richest people in the world if we truly just look at it we can see that I, i'm going to just say 80 percent of the top 10 richest people in the world their wealth was greatly influenced or created by the birth of the internet so we can see how one change in the world transformed the whole generation and created massive wealth for families and and, and that was the opportunity i saw with blockchain so from 2016 again same thing i started investing my own personal money you know in, in, in the process and then um years after people say hey can you show me can you help sort of break down the barrier help me understand what it is that you see uh and i started teaching you know courses on on on, on cryptocurrency market as well so that's sort of like my journey uh in terms of you know uh coming from you know, Africa over here, getting into the investment world, and also now leveraging the things I have learned and teaching it to others. You know, I have a, a mentor who usually says the formula for life is to study, to practice, 
and then to teach. And it's one of those things that I have constantly sort of built my framework around. It's to first study for myself, you know, practice, right, get results, and then teach those formulas for, to others. Because like they say, each one teach one. That's how it truly starts to change the world. What have you come to understand is cryptocurrency or specifically Bitcoin, right? If you wanted to focus or hone in, because obviously there are tons of cryptocurrencies, over 10,000 of them. Um, what have you come to understand is crypto or Bitcoin? And um, why, why does it pique your interest? Awesome, awesome. You know, crypto is something, I guess the whole cryptocurrency space is something uh, I'm so excited about as a company we are so excited about. Uh, last week, Friday, we just closed a uh, million dollar round for a new fund we just launched. Uh, we literally just closed on Friday. Uh, it's called the C100X fund. It's, uh, it's a professionally managed fund for accredited investors. So we just launched that as part of our portfolio. We are also working on a project right now uh, that is birthed from Nigeria uh, in the DeFi space, and the, the whole vision around that is to essentially bring DeFi to life, is to connect African businesses to DeFi networks. And I mean, uh, we, we could talk more about that later on, but I guess the whole point I'm trying to make is something I'm so excited about. So let's go to the question and say, why Bitcoin? Why is this something that we're staking so much in, where we're building all this infrastructure around? Here, here's the thing. I, I think the key is that, bef- like anything else, you have to go back to understand why Bitcoin was even created in the first place, right? And I think once you start understanding the why it was created, you start understanding the reason for it, the purpose, why why we need it, and what it could potentially do to our world in terms of transforming it. Now, if you read the white paper by, uh, you know, the pseudonym, you know, that created Bitcoin, right, Satoshi Nakamoto, you start understanding that Bitcoin was created out of the whole concept around what was going on in the world. And, you know, what one thing that, you know, the world has shown us is that fiat system is actually an abusive system. What, what do I mean by this? Look, when it comes to money, what is money at the end of the day? And I always ask people that, what is money? Like, let's start there. It's not, it's not, let's not get emotional. What is money? Money at the end of the day is a measure of accounts and is a store of value. And the truth is, if enough people agree that a particular thing is money, it is money. History has shown us that. Right. We have seen, I mean, I'm from Nigeria where they have had things like calories represent money. And around the world, we've had so many things represent money. One of the, I mean, the, the, the first, I guess, institution, institutionalized ones will be gold. So prior to the 19th century, gold was money. Kings, I mean, every, gold was money. Right. We moved from a version of money that was gold to even paper money that was backed by gold. And eventually, in about 1971, in the case of the United States, where we came to a money system that was no longer backed by gold, which we now refer to as that fiat system. Now, the challenge with fiat system is the continuous printing of money, the continuous increase in supply. What that does is that it steals away our buying power. It steals away your buying power, my buying power. What does it mean when we say it steals away our buying power? Essentially, it means that families are now having to work two times, three times, four times, five times as hard just to afford the same standard of living. Now, you might say to yourself, come on, guy, that don't, don't exaggerate. How can you prove this? Well, let's look at this. The question is, 1971 was when this whole new system of fiat started. Where, how much was the price of gold in 1971? It was about $40. What was the minimum wage in 1971? So it was about $1.70. 
what is minimum wage today about $13 on average? What is the price of gold today about $1,800, almost $2,000? If you do the math, you will find out that now it's something about like 10 hours or so you had to work to earn an ounce of gold. But today for the same ounce of gold, nothing has changed. You're working as much as eight times just based on minimum wage, just afford the same ounce of gold. The gold didn't increase. What had changed was that your buying powers over time had reduced. Now, I mean, some researchers have shown, they've shown data that says from 1913 or there about when the Federal Reserve was first created till today, that the dollar itself has lost as much as 90%. So the question I always ask people is, is that okay? Are you okay with having to work more and more every year, working harder to afford just the same standard? Are you okay with that? And most people say, no, I'm not okay with that. So the question was the solution. And this was what the, the, the idea around Bitcoin, they, uh, or, or they or he or she wanted to create a monetary system that could, we could, we could, that had trust naturally inbuilt around it. But at the same time, it was a system that had a fixed supply. Now, economics 101 would tell you this. If you have any asset that has a fixed supply, but demand for that asset keeps increasing, price is forced to go up. So now we are living at an abusive system where every year the value of your money went down to a new potential money system that every year the price of your money actually gained value. So that was it. So a lot of time people would say, oh, you know, Bitcoin is not spendable. They talk about all these things about Bitcoin. I'm like, you don't get it. Bitcoin was first created to give you back power. It was created to give you that. It was to take you out of the abusive system of fear. So that's the idea around Bitcoin. That was why I'm excited around Bitcoin. Now, Bitcoin is built on a technology called the blockchain, right? The, the blockchain, again, uh, the easiest way to think about it is, is, is an Excel sheet, an open Excel sheet, where it's everything, all the recordings we all see. Imagine if I sent you, uh, I mean, if you went to TD or Wells Fargo and said, hey, show me all of your ledger. They're going to think you're crazy. They're not going to show you. The beauty about the blockchain system is an open ledger. We can all see what's going on. This transaction can be verified on that system. Bitcoin is built on that blockchain system. Now, the beauty about the blockchain system is that even with Bitcoin is that we're not talking about programmable money because it allows us to not only send financial value, but all sorts of value. And that's when we start going to things like the DeFi. Because remember, Bitcoin is just the first and sort of think about it like the US dollar. Right? There are other currencies, there are other projects in the space that are defining the space. And every project is solving a new problem. And I think this is the most important thing that most people don't understand is that they think it's all this coins, all this money. Not necessarily. Let, let me give you an example. Bitcoin at its core is a payment system. Simple and clear. It's a payment system that allows you and I to send a value without the need of a trusted middleman. Simple. Payment system. Now, if you want to start talking about value Bitcoin, what is a payment system works worth based on its network? Remember, it's a payment system, but because of the fixed uh, supply, there's only 21 million Bitcoin, right? Forever. Now, this Bitcoin is going to be produced every day. Uh, you know, right now, it's set to about 900 Bitcoin per day. It's going to keep going every four years. We, we get the halving with the, the, the supply actually reduces that's being produced per day, but it's going to keep being produced to 2,140. So the system is already built into it but again the, the idea there is that because of that supply it becomes a store of value because again it's fixed think about this there's over 40 million millionaires in the world there's only 21 million bitcoin there's not enough bitcoin for every millionaire to own one so you start asking yourself what is a store of value worth what is a payment system worth 
right? Store value. Let's real quick. What is gold? What's an alternative store value today? Gold. What is gold worth? Gold's market cap today is about $11 trillion. So imagine if Bitcoin captured 10% of that. We're talking about 1.1 trillion. Imagine if it captured 20%, 30%. Today, at the time of this recording, Bitcoin's slightly under a trillion dollars. So what happens when Bitcoin captures 30% of the store value? And you might ask yourself, why would Bitcoin capture more of the gold value? Well, there's so many reasons. Things like, understand the idea that, look, at the end of the day, if you had a million dollars to, 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 to carry, right, and you wanted to store it, imagine a million dollars in gold bars. Imagine how hard that is, how heavy it is to move. But now imagine a million dollars in Bitcoin. Because of the digital nature, it is light to move. You can move it easily. Because of the digital nature, it's more secure in the sense that, I mean, if you're moving around with a million dollars of gold bars in your house, you are a prime target. You know, it's easy for people to steal it. It's easy for it to be confiscated. Now, speaking about confiscation, we have seen that happen even in the United States, where it was deemed illegal for individuals to own big, uh, to own gold. But with Bitcoin, because of the digital nature, a lot of these things can't happen, right? Because of the supply again is fixed. So there's all this, the idea that it's divisible. If you had a, an ounce of gold or a bar of gold, you know, worth $2,000 or $1,800, how are you going to pay for goods that's cost $10? You can't chop it off. You're going to, but with Bitcoin, because of the digital nature, it's easy to divide, it's easy to spend. So there's all these reasons why, as a store of value, Bitcoin can be seen as better than gold. So we're saying, look, if it starts eating at that market, there is a huge potential of where this asset class could run to. So that's one. And again, we are seeing validation right now. We're seeing institutional adoption at a growing and aggressive rate. But that's Bitcoin. Now, when we look at the other parts of the cryptocurrency space, let's look at something like Ethereum. At the end of the day, what is Ethereum? Well, it's just like iOS. It's an operating system. What is iOS? It's a, it's a platform or it's, a, it's an operating system that allows other developers to build on. Think about what is Android? What is, you know, Microsoft? At the end of the day, at its core, that's what Ethereum really is. It's a platform that allows other developers to build on. And as more people build on that network, the value starts to increase because they have to spend the native currency, which is Ether, of that platform. And we could go on and on. And you look at projects like, like you know, like, 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 like uh, uh, the, in, in, in the DeFi space, like Compound, right, that allows lending and borrowing. These are things that the banks naturally do. So when you start understanding the space, you start seeing that, oh, wow. So what is really going on here is that people are legit looking at the real world and saying, what are some of the problems in the real world that we can solve using the blockchain technology? That's pretty much it. And that's how we start to look for opportunities. That's how we start to say, okay, what are some of the problems that, and it's the same thing the internet did. You know, I, I always uh, talk to talk about this. I say, look, when Jeff Bezos was starting Amazon, the concept was pretty easy, right? People already bought books, but now there was this thing called the, techno- uh, the internet that was growing at record, I mean, astronomical rates. And he just said, hey, we're just going to take what people already do and we're going to put it on this new technology called the internet. And that's a lot of what we're seeing today with the blockchain space. People are they're taking things that we already do, but improving upon it. Saying, how do we cut away the middleman so that fees can be reduced, so that things can be more efficient. But how do we do this leveraging the blockchain so that there's transparency? So these are the things we, we, we've seen as a company, as myself. I say, hey, look, we got to tap into this. Because just the same way the internet transformed the world, you know, with the World Wide Web about 30 or so years ago, the blockchain, we believe, is going to absolutely transform the world. And for once in our lifetime, we're right here leading that charge. And I think that this is how we can start creating even generational wealth. So to help, you know, Africans gain 
adoption to this new ecosystem, you know, referring to crypto. I'm launching, you know, Bitcoin Africa, which is a club to educate and inspire Africans to know about this new digital assets. Besides this initiative that I'm doing, is there anything that you feel others can do to to just allow people in our community to not miss this opportunity because similar to what you said in the in the late 1990s we didn't notice that there were incredible companies that we could have invested in as africans like no one talked to us about this and as a result many of us missed the prime opportunity to have been investors in many of these companies so how do we make sure that we don't miss this opportunity with crypto I think uh, it's a combination of things. Number one, I mean, congratulations again. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing with the club. I think it's absolutely needed because we do need centers or places where people could go and learn. Um, but again, it, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, it's a two-pronged approach. One-pronged approach is that people have to be people have to want to learn. So more of us have to essentially speak out to say, hey, look, guys, at the way we are going, I mean, they say if you keep this insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting a different result. We've been doing the same thing over and over again. You know, again, I'm from you know Nigeria or Africa originally. I've seen the way the North Americans or the Black Americans how they've done things for the past hundreds of years. It, it, it hasn't quite worked. So it's time for us to try something different. So yeah, one. You, I mean, you're right on on it. Pretty much, it's one of those things where it's like if you have a good idea, do you keep it to yourself? You just have to keep saying it. You have to just keep saying it. You have to just keep saying it. I just have to keep saying it. And hope that more people are going to now finally hear it and say, okay, I need to do something different about it. So what can we do? Honestly, in my opinion, that's what we could do is to pretty much bring the information to the world, bring the information to our people. Keep saying it. I keep saying it. And sooner or later, uh, I want to believe that the right ears will hear it and they can act on it. Because besides that, honestly, I don't, I don't really know. You know, I, I don't, but I, I know that one thing, one thing I do know is that if you have a good idea, you shouldn't sit on it, right? If you have a good idea, you should say, say it out there and say it with all of your strength. And I think that you're doing just that. And, you know, uh, I think more of us needs to be committed, myself included, because sometimes I sort of shy away from it, right? Because, you know, it comes to this, because again, and people don't realize that, that sometimes you try to help people or teach people and then it makes, turns out to be that you're the bad guy. You know, so sometimes I sort of just shy away from it and say, hey, I just manage my phone, you know, manage my own account. But then once again, I hear that voice. Why are you being selfish, right? Why, why, why are you just thinking about yourself? So, so I guess to answer your question, I think more of us just need to be committed to not just our growth, but the growth of our community. And the way we to do that is each, each one teach one. And, you know, I, I was in South Africa, I think about two years ago in Cape Town, and I, and, and I did a tour I think it was of Mandela's, you know, while he was in jail, went to see where his, his jail cell and learned a little bit about history there. And, and that was one thing that they kept on talking about, that the prisoners, they would read books and they would teach it to each other. And they had that saying. And that's what, where I heard it from first, that each one teach one. That was that, that philosophy. So even though they were in prison, they were able to educate themselves. They were able to keep their minds sharp. And I think that that's, that's sort of what we need to do is each one teach one, right? Study practice, and then teach. You know, going back to what you just said about feeling kind of bad to share, and it's often because 
you know, people in our community would much rather spend their money on things that they can like flex and show off to other people instead of <laughs> committing some funds to um, personal growth and development or understanding how wealth is built, how wealth is acquired. And I feel that is why inherently often you'd feel like, you know, wow, like if I go out and I, I'm teaching and I'm educating, why is it that people in my community sometimes feel like I'm taking? Mm. You don't realize that this is an act of, of giving. What I've come to understand is as Africans, we don't place a value on acquiring knowledge outside of school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like That's the number one thing I've come to understand. Right? Mm-hmm. You, and I'm sure you know, because you're in those circles, you look at the, in the high earners in, let's say, US, Canada, um, Europe, Australia, and they are paying hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars for like coaches, yes. um, mentors. Can you, brother, can you imagine a, a Nigerian or a Ghanaian <laughs> right now saying, I'm going to pay hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars for a coach? Obviously, the ones who, um, who eventually under, who grasp this concept they, and, and they get around these circles, they will see it and know it, right? But yes. for a majority, like literally 95%, They'll tell you, I'm not going to give anyone that money. I can, in their minds, they feel like they can just go out and get that information, but they don't realize the amount of time that they save by paying for speed, you know? Oh, you said it. And that's the key. You are condensing time frame. And that's that's it. That's all it is. It's like, you know, in my early years, you know, in in my journey, and my mentor always said this to me, we say, look, a man has lived to 60 years. He's built a multi-million dollar business. He then condenses his 60 years of experience into a program, into a book. And all you have to do is pay $20 for that book. And then you say to yourself, $20 is too much. It's, just, it's, like, it's like someone calling you to say, look, bro, I have found, I have found a, a gold mine. It is rich in gold. Come and dig. And then you say to that person, shovels are too expensive. It's That's like, deep. like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, you know? So, so, it, it, and it, it's just, it's just what it is. So what you're saying is the absolute truth. It's what I have learned. Now, in the past five years, I've, I've, like, even my wife talks about it all the time. And she just, where people, people, you know, people, whatever, say, oh, you know, your life is good, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And she's like, you don't understand the sacrifices that, you know, this guy makes. Like in the past five years, I spent at least 100000 on my own personal education. But at the end of the day, I know we have to start. What changed for me is that I started understanding that my education is not a cost. My education is a seed. Mm. And every good farmer understands that for every seed that he sows, he is expecting a harvest. So for every time I buy a course, a program, 5,000, 10,000, it is a seed I've planted. And I expect a yield off of that seed. I expect that that $10,000 program should increase my earning potential by another 100,000. I want to start helping people understand that there's seed time and harvest. 
But there is no harvest without seed. What's to help people understand about seasons of life? I think, you know, it might start to transform them. Because I know for me, that was where my transformation started. Because it was evident. Like you said, and I think, and that's why I, 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 I'm struggling to use the word brainwashing, but it's very close, right? It's like I grew up, you know, in a community in Nigeria where, man, they place so much value. They would pay any amount to <laughs> learn to be a doc, doctor, dentist, you know, engineer. But the minute you talk about value creation or investing, it's like, no, 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 no. It's too expensive. So it's like somewhere along the line, we have to ask ourselves, where did we learn? Where did we first learn about money? And where did we first learn about value? And where did we first learn that the only way to, to learn is through schools, like universities or high schools? Somewhere, somebody somewhere taught us that the place you go to learn is from a teacher in school. Rather than the place you go to learn is from where there is value. So we need to first help people to rethink. To, we need to change. And that's why I think it's a combination of personal growth. Because we must first change the thinking. Once the thinking has changed, then it's easier for people to start saying, wow, I had thought about it all wrong. Because my brother, and I know you already know this, but right now we have a singular opportunity to not only drastically, not for only for families to drastically change their wealth because of the massive wealth transfer going on, but for once we have, with technology, and I think this is one of the first things you were talking about when we first started, with technology, we can truly, truly revolutionize and transform Africa. You know, my partner used to say this to me all the time, but now I see it. And we always say that technology is the, sort of like the last saving grace that for Africa. It's the, la- it's the last, it's the, that's the last, that's the, if we miss this, I don't know. But technology is that one singular opportunity that can transform Africa. So the more of us start to understand that we must first get educated so we can leverage the system. Now we're talking about finance, but it's the same thing. Education is education. We have to understand understanding that there is formal education and there is informal education. As a student of life, we must learn to accept and leverage both. Now this wealth transfer I see it happening, you know, it's been going on with tech, right? Tech companies, as you said, man, technology is changing Africa. Apparently there are more smartphones in Africa than there are like in other developed countries. So then we've embraced the device that will change us but we've embraced it as consumers. Mm. We haven't embraced it as investors as well, right? So this cryptocurrency phenomenon that's happening over the next, let's call it two decades. I feel over the next decade, we're gonna the, the growth is gonna happen kind of like the internet where it started late 1990s, and then by 2010, everyone just knew and understood that the internet is here to stay. I feel by 2031, individuals will understand that cryptocurrency and blockchain technology is here to stay. I just don't want people to miss the opportunity with regards to investments they can be making now. So if you don't mind sharing, uh, brother, 
what are some of the, and you don't need to you know, share all of them, but some of your favorite cryptocurrencies and why you believe in those projects? Fantastic. You know, it's, it's funny you say this and, and it's so true. It's so true. Um, early investors are always rewarded. Like, like you talked about the internet, right? And now it's happening with blockchain. And, and that's also my cry, my pain. I mean, like I started buying Bitcoin $800. I wish I was buying it at $100. It, it's different, you know? And um, one of my, I guess, one of my biggest wins or my biggest win in the cryptocurrency space was a project um, I bought about three years ago. It was a project back then. It was a small Chinese project. It's called Binance. Back, like, I mean, Binance it was an exchange. They wanted to do an exchange. Looked at the team, looked at the investors. Hey, it was great. Right. Bought Binance at about 10 cents. 10 cents, my brother. At its peak this year, Binance was trading at $600 or above $600. Now, we're talking about over 100,000%. So my point is that with early stage technologies, a small investment, a $500 investment was about 250000 So a small investment can absolutely <laughs> transform your entire life, your entire generation. But the key is that you first have to get educated and you have to take a chance. And I always tell people with, with the cryptocurrency space, you don't have to bet the farm. You don't have to put your whole life savings in it. Sometimes a small investment, a $20 investment in Bitcoin was $100 right now make you a multimillionaire. Same thing, a $20 investment in Apple or Amazon, all of this comes when it first got started would absolutely transform your life. Doesn't, doesn't mean the opportunities are not there now. The opportunities are still there now. However, it's different when you're there early. And that's why it's very important that more people understand that, look, skip, skip, skip the launch dates. Take the $50 you're going to spend on lunch or whatever. Skip the, skip the, the soft drinks. Take the $2. Take the $10 and start to take a chance. Right. So let's talk about the space, what I'm most excited about. Now, this is how I always approach the space. The same way I approach even the stock market and investing in general. Um, the world is constantly changing. The world is constantly changing. And every time the world changes, there are people who are going to benefit from the world. So the idea is that in life, even through investments, we have to learn to find narratives. So the same thing when I look at the cryptocurrency space, and it's what you've talked about before, and it's the absolute fact. Right now, there's a lot of projects out there trying to solve problems in the crypto space in the world, just like the internet, you know, in the late 90s. 80%, 90% of them are going to fail, right? It's, it's just what it is. It's the nature of the space. But there will be that 10% that absolutely changes it all. There'll be that 1% that absolutely, if you were in, will change your life, right? Look at the internet, same thing. There were companies that didn't make it, but today we still have the Apples, we still have the Amazons, right? And the same thing with the blockchain space. And I'm saying this because that's usually one of the, I guess, elephants in the room, right? People will always say things like, oh, uh, some of these companies might not make it. It's like, it's just what it is. Not all the companies are going to make it. Now, our job as investors is to ask ourselves, which companies have the best team? Which companies have the best partnerships? Which companies have the best sort of economic strategy? Which company has a future potential in terms of that use case. 
And then we built a basket of companies around those. Realizing that some of them might not make it. But because of the asymmetric nature of the space, I mean, think about when you start talking about projects doing 1,000x, 10,000x, even if one or two made it, your portfolio is smiling for generations to come. So that's just something I wanted to put out there. So what are the projects I'm most excited about? I mean, the very basics, Bitcoin, Ethereum, because again, Bitcoin is the, is the reserve currency. It's the entry into the space. It's how people come into the space. It's where we start to see the ex- adoption first. If Bitcoin, Bitcoin success is a success for the whole entire cryptocurrency space. And with today, we DeFi, there's so many ways we can leverage Bitcoin itself to even create revenue, income, cash flow for ourselves. So Bitcoin, Ethereum, again, Ethereum is that primary, you know, um, platform that allows developers to build on. It has more developers than any project out there. Yes, they have the challenges with fees. Yes, they have the challenges with, uh, with, 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 with scalability. But Ethereum is the granddaddy. It's the, it's, the, it's, it's, it's the daddy of the space when it comes to smart contracts. Think about it like the iOS, the Android, right? Other projects I'm very excited about is Binance. Like I said, I've been in Binance since about 10 cents. It's about 300. As I, the time of the recording is about $330 or so right now. But again, there's so much innovation in this space. It's backed by a very solid team. Um, the use cases are growing every day. I mean, now they've launched a Binance Smart Chain, which is sort of like a competition to Ethereum. Remember, what do we say Ethereum was again? is a platform that allows other projects to get built on. So now Binance also has their own platform. It's called the BSC that allows other projects to build on. So I'm very excited about that. So one of the things that you find out that's overarching a lot of the projects I'm interested in is two things. I believe that two of the strongest spaces that I want to be invested in today, and I, and I say myself, and I say, say we have a fund. Like I said, I, I, I manage a fund, uh, C100X, uh, you know, so, so, so when I say, I, I'm referring to even the fund, our approach is that we believe that DeFi, DeFi and blockchains are essentially what is going to shape this big boom that we have to, that, this season. So a lot of projects I'm interested in is DeFi projects and blockchain projects. So blockchain projects, Ethereum, right, Binance, Cardano, right, uh, Polkadot, Solana. In fact, Solana is one I'm very excited about. Right? Those are blockchain projects that I'm excited about. Right, DeFi projects, things like Compound, right, things like Liquidity. You know, projects like that I'm very excited about. So so. I think to keep it simple for free, is when it comes to the space, those are the two sectors that today I am most bullish about. So, so, so blockchain space. So, so looking at the projects like the Cosmos, looking at the projects like the Terras, looking at the projects uh, like the Algorand, looking at the projects, you know, uh, like like we said, Solana, you know, uh, projects like that, projects like uh, Polkadot in terms of blockchain. And in terms of DeFi, we're talking about projects like Aave, right? Projects like Compound. Projects like even some of the decentralized exchanges today, like the pancake swaps and the Uniswaps, right? Uh, projects like those, projects like uh, um, uh, uh, Liquidity, we talked about that, right? So those are some of the areas I'm bullish on. But when it comes to building a balanced portfolio, a lot of times I tell people that it's wanting to understand the narrative and to invest around the narrative. But in order to get a true 360 sort of exposure, we also have to be very mindful, especially if you're there to you know, essentially build wealth. To start understanding that even in the cryptocurrency space, 
there's different market capitalization. There's different sectors. There's different offerings, right? So we have, so a lot of what we're talking about right now is projects that have already launched. But just in the same way in the private market, we have private companies that haven't launched and launched through IPOs, initial public offerings. In the cryptocurrency space as well, we have projects that haven't launched, that launched through a process we call ICOs or IDOs or IEOs that you could also invest in. Right? So, it, it, but again, a lot of these things comes down to truly spending some time, dedicating some time to getting educated. But for as a very beginner, very entry level, man, the large caps, I think there's so much room for them to run. Like we talked about earlier on, even with things like Bitcoin, people think that Bitcoin is expensive at 30,000. Yes, we might see Bitcoin go to 25,000. It's the nature of the space. Volatility comes with the space. But at the market cap right now of under 700 you know, million dollars or 700 billion dollars, I still think that there's so much room to grow. I think that you know, in the next five years, we're going to see Bitcoin in multiple trillions of dollars in terms of space, right? So, so, so I don't know that. I hope that helps. Osamude, brother, I would love to have you as one of our uh, special guest speakers. So as part of uh, Bitcoin Africa, each month, I'd have a special, you know, guest speaker, an expert in this space. And and for you, I'd love for you to come in and and you know, pick some of your favorite cryptos and then give us a deep dive, you know, perhaps like, you know, a one hour deep dive into why those projects pique your interest, you know, mm-hmm. as we continue to educate, as we continue to share with, you know, people in our community. Fantastic. Fantastic. I would love that. I would love that. Um, each one, teach one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, brother, this has been absolutely phenomenal. I want to thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy with managing the fund, with your investment education business as well, with all the projects that you're working on. So thank you so much for taking the time. So for individuals who want to connect with you, where can they find you? And also, if you will, do leave a parting message for the listeners. Um, so for people who want to reach me, social media is probably the best. I, I, I must confess, I am not, I, I need to do a better job. I've been active there, but I will check my messages there. So Instagram, uh, Instagram.com, also Media Iron Days, my handle, same handle for Facebook, same handle for pretty much, I guess, all social media. So it's easy to find me there. But Instagram is probably the best place uh, to, to, to reach me. In terms of a, a party message, I think it's important for us to remember that education comes before compensation. All of us wants to be rewarded in life. We want to, we, we want to, we hope that we want life to treat us good. But at the end of the day, sea time and harvest is a principle, a nature-obeyed principle. So in order for you to get a harvest, you must first sow a seed. So in parting, I'm going to say to you is that every moment you wake up, you need to ask yourself, what seed am I sowing today? And if you're, the answer is you don't have a seed or not enough seed, then you need to sow a seed. Because come harvest, what's going to make the difference between if you cry at harvest or if you celebrate at harvest, it's going to be dependent on the seed you sow. So take action, go out there, get the information, prosperity. We're living in such an abundant time. There has never been this much prosperity on earth. There is so much money right now, but the key to accessing this prosperity 
is trapped in your education. All right, so 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 I, I wish you all the best and I uh, hope to, to, to connect with you soon.